Hey there, this is Devin from Legal Eagle. You're smart. And I know that you're smart because you're listening to this podcast. But if you want even more incredible, educational-ish content from me and my friends, then you've got to get Nebula. Because in addition to offering tons of terrific podcasts ad-free, Nebula is a place where my friends and I get to release tons of experimental and exclusive content that you can't find anywhere else. Plus, all of my videos are ad-free. Just head to watchnebula.com slash radio to sign up now. If you were following the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse on social media, you might have come to the conclusion that Judge Schroeder was a hopelessly biased nutcase who was making up all the rules to help Kyle Rittenhouse. Was he? Now, most of the situations that people are objecting to involve the application of the rules of evidence. In state court, the judge has broad discretion to make rulings on the admissibility of evidence and how to run their courtroom. This includes things like which witnesses are allowed to testify, what the lawyers are allowed to ask, what topics are off limits, and a whole bunch of other things. And there were a few incidents that stuck out. So let's talk about incident number one, where Judge Schroeder ruled that the prosecution could not call the people that Kyle Rittenhouse shot and killed victims. The defense attorneys argued that using the word victim could prejudice the jury against Rittenhouse. Judge Schroeder said the word victim is a loaded, loaded word. When the judge ruled in favor of the defendant, critics jumped to the conclusion that Judge Schroeder was showing inappropriate favoritism to Rittenhouse. Now, trial judges have lots of discretion. The Wisconsin rules of evidence mostly track the federal rules of evidence. Even if particular evidence isn't explicitly ruled out, judges have lots of leeway. Wisconsin rule of evidence 904.03, which is very similar to federal rule of evidence 403, states, quote, Although relevant evidence may be excluded if its probative value is substantially outweighed by the danger of unfair prejudice, confusion of the issues, or misleading the jury, or by considerations of undue delay, waste of time, or needless presentation of cumulative evidence. In other words, evidence might be minimally relevant, but if the risk of prejudice is too great, you shouldn't allow that evidence into the courtroom. And the way that the victim is used in a courtroom is different than what's used outside of the courthouse. Rittenhouse claimed that he was acting in self-defense. If he was right, the three men would not be considered victims in the legal sense of the word. They would be assailants who attacked Rittenhouse. People also suggested that Judge Schroeder was making up special rules just for Rittenhouse, but the judge's ruling was consistent with the way that he handles criminal trials. According to the Kenosha News, quote, that is Schroeder's standard practice in criminal cases and is not unique to this handling of the Rittenhouse case. Criminal lawyers said these rulings were commonplace in their jurisdictions as well. Victims suggest guilt before it is proven, and prosecuting and convicting someone is hard, as well it should be. And of course, it's always okay to refer to these people by their names, which tactically can be even better because it humanizes them. In a court of law, a criminal defendant must be given his full due process rights. The whole object of a fair trial is not to prejudge the defendant. That means judges should be skeptical of evidence that a jury could use to infer someone's guilt if that evidence is not truly probative of what happened. And that brings us to the second incident where Judge Schroeder ruled that the three men who were shot could be referred to as rioters, looters, and arsonists. Well, specifically what Judge Schroeder said was let the evidence show what the evidence shows, that any or one of these people were engaged in arson, rioting, or looting, that I'm not going to tell the defense they can't call them that. Prosecutor Thomas Binger said that this was a double standard, quote, I think it's the exact same issue. The terms that I'm identifying here, such as rioters, looters, arsonists, are as loaded, if not more loaded, than the term victim. First, a defendant generally gets to put on whatever defense they want. So a court should err on the side of allowing a defendant to do something and get more freedom than the prosecution. 
but second of all, Judge Schroeder did not rule that the defense could absolutely call the men rioters and looters. He ruled that if the defense could prove that the three men were rioting and looting, then they could use those terms during the closing argument. And the judge prohibited the defense from using those terms during their opening statement, very similar to the ruling he made about the word victim. Neither side could use those terms unless they proved their case. That takes us to incident number three, where Judge Schroeder dressed down the prosecutor saying, don't get brazen with me. Judge Schroeder was again accused of bias when he blew up at prosecutor Thomas Binger. First of all, yes, judges do yell at lawyers and sometimes those lawyers deserve it. Some do it more frequently than others and Kenosha lawyers say that Schroeder is definitely a yeller. Now second, the judge sent the jury out of the room before admonishing the prosecutor. And third, and most importantly, we should look to what caused Schroeder to blow his top. When Rittenhouse took to the stand to testify in his own defense, the prosecutor seemed to refer to Rittenhouse's prior silence about what happened. Quote, since August 25th, 2020, this is the first time that you have told your story. That's what the prosecutor asked on the stand. The defense immediately objected and Schroeder sustained the objection, disallowing the question. And there's good reason for that. In criminal cases, the Fifth Amendment protects against self-incrimination, among other things. This means that a defendant's decision not to talk can't be used against them. The judge sustained the objection because Binger's question was too close to the line. But then Binger basically asked the same question a different way. He referred to the many months of people talking about the case and said, quote, after all of that now, you are telling us your side of the story, correct? It seems that what Binger was getting at was that because Rittenhouse hadn't testified before and was now testifying after everyone else had taken the stand and after all of the evidence had come out, that Rittenhouse was now in a position where he could change his story and craft it to be consistent with everyone else's testimony. But of course, a question can be two things at once, and if it's too prejudicial, even if there is some probative value to it, well, then the court can still disallow it, which the court specifically had done. It had, Schroeder had disallowed it. So Judge Schroeder asked the jury be removed so that he could basically just yell at Binger. You need to account for this. The problem is, this is a grave constitutional violation for you to talk about the defendant's silence that is, and, and, the, and you're right. You're right on the. You're right on the borderline, and you may. You may be over, but uh, it better stop. In other words, it doesn't matter whether you think Rittenhouse was guilty or not in the context of a criminal trial, his post-arrest silence couldn't be used against him. Binger said he understood, but then to add insult to injury, he then plunged into a series of questions about a matter the judge had already previously ruled was off limits, a video where Rittenhouse fantasized about shooting alleged shoplifters. Which takes us to incident number four. The judge ruled that the prosecution could not show a video showing Rittenhouse saying that he wished he could shoot two people leaving a CVS store. Now, the background is that before trial, the prosecution moved to introduce evidence of a video where Rittenhouse says he wished he could shoot two people who were suspected shoplifters. The prosecutor said the video was relevant to Rittenhouse's state of mind and motive. He said Rittenhouse was, quote, essentially a teenage vigilante involving himself in things that don't concern him. Now, the judge excluded the video on the grounds that the video wasn't made before the riots. It was recorded two weeks earlier. And the judge felt that in another video, which allegedly showed Rittenhouse assaulting a girl who was in a fight with her sister, was also not relevant to what Rittenhouse did on August 20th, 2020 in Kenosha. The video suggested Rittenhouse had a propensity for violence, but neither video had anything to do with the protest. Now, it's important to note that judges are arbiters and are supposed to protect the rights of a criminal defendant. And certainly these videos make Rittenhouse look bad, but we aren't supposed to convict people for looking bad. The judge was limiting the evidence so that the only evidence the jury heard had to do with what actually happened on August 20th when Rittenhouse encountered the three men. Now, Crim Law 101 is that you can't, or at least generally you can't because 
you know, there are always exceptions. You can't use propensity evidence to show someone committed a crime on a specific day. You can show that they committed the crime at issue, but you're not allowed to convict them because they had a certain propensity towards crime. Generally speaking, a criminal defendant can't be convicted just because they have a history of doing bad things. The state still has to prove that they committed the crimes they were charged with. And so when Judge Schroeder yelled, don't get brazen with me, it was the culmination of two mistakes by the prosecutor referring to Rittenhouse's post-arrest silence after being told not to and referring to the CVS videotape despite being told not to. Binger felt that the defense had opened the door and it was now okay to go into that subject area. But even if that were the case, you still need to get permission from the judge or face their wrath. And Binger still had a hard time letting it go. Quote, this was the subject of emotion. I'm well aware of that. And the court left the door open. But Judge Schroeder screamed, for me, not for you. You should have come and asked for reconsideration. All trial lawyers know that if you appear to disregard a judge's order, you're probably going to get it. And to the judge's credit, while we all got to see Schroeder lambast the prosecutors on the live feed, the jury was sequestered away and would have been completely unaware. So it wouldn't have prejudiced the prosecution's case. That takes us to incident number five. Judge Schroeder allowed Rittenhouse to pick his own jurors? Well, not exactly. Judge Schroeder had Rittenhouse blindly pick the 12 jurors who would be deciding his case out of a hat. It's weird, but in Wisconsin and other states, the courts regularly seat more jurors than necessary because at the end of trials, it's common for jurors to be stricken from the panel for various reasons. This could be uh, for misconduct or a juror having a family emergency or just getting sick. In the Rittenhouse trial, 18 prospective jurors heard all the evidence. After closing arguments, the judge told Rittenhouse to randomly pick six numbers out of a tumbler. Those six numbers were stricken from the panel. The 12 who were left were his jury. Whittling down the jurors is not unusual. Picking them out of a hat is somewhat unusual. Uh, Judge Schroeder said he'd have defendants do the selection for years. He said that responding to critics, he started doing it after a case where there was only one prospective black juror. That person was eliminated from the jury when the clerk picked that juror's name out of the, the panel. That resulted in a black defendant being tried by an all white jury as a result of one of the court administrators. Judge Schroeder felt that that was not ideal. He said, quote, it was a bad optic, I thought. I think people feel better when they have control. So ever since that case, I have had an almost universal policy of having the defendant do the picks. When only one part of Judge Schroeder's explanation was cherry picked and then circulated among social media, it looked terrible. But actually it seems like his explanation makes perfect sense. While this process is a little bit theatrical, the reasons for doing so actually empower the defendant. And it's hard to imagine that there would be any prejudice to either the defense or the prosecution as a result of this particular foible. That takes us to incident number six. The judge disallowed zooming in on a video? Well, not exactly. Judge Schroeder was mocked for sustaining a defense objection to zooming in on video footage via an iPad. This was presented as either a nefarious plot between the defense lawyers and the judge or as evidence that the judge was old and out of touch. Now, it's not that the judge said that they couldn't zoom in at all. The judge just ruled that the prosecution could zoom in on images as long as they had an expert testify as to how the pinch and zoom worked on an Apple device to make sure that that process wasn't adulterating the evidence. Now, the prosecution couldn't produce an expert on short notice, so the jury wound up seeing the video on a Windows machine hooked up to a TV. Now, this was kind of a ticky-tacky objection by the defense, but in fairness, lawyers are required to authenticate an item of evidence, and this applies to every piece of evidence that's introduced, including government records, business records, photographs, video, audio, you name it. But look, the prosecution has the burden of proof, so it's on them to make sure that what they're doing, if they are changing the evidence in any way, 
isn't adulterating the underlying evidence. And of course, there was also an issue with drone footage where uh, a file was smaller than it should have been. And that takes us to the next incident where the judge apparently asked the jury to applaud for a defense witness. Well, sort of, this one is interesting. On Veterans Day, Judge Schroeder decided to recognize anyone in the courtroom who had served in the armed forces. Quote, I just want to observe that it's Veterans Day and any veterans in the room, on the jury or anywhere else, when no one responded, the judge said, well, that's unusual not to have at least someone in here, but Dr. Black is what branch? He was referring to the defense witness, John Black, who was about to take the stand. Black is a use of force expert who told the judge that he had served in the army. The judge then said, okay, I think we can have a round of applause to the people who have served our country. The entire courtroom applauded, including members of the jury. This one was just sloppy and completely unnecessary. It seemed to have the unintended effect of bolstering the reputation of Dr. Black before he took the stand, who happened to be a defense witness, but it was just completely unnecessary to run that risk uh, for you know, a little grandstanding in this particular case. And then there were accusations that Judge Schroeder was just unusually chummy with Rittenhouse and wanted to see him acquitted. For example, there's a picture of uh, the judge and Rittenhouse being very close together as they're watching a video. But equally likely is that Schroeder was just a relatively pro-defendant judge. And of course, there's a wide disparity between uh, criminal defendants who are remanded to custody and those who are out on their own recognizance. Rittenhouse was able to attend uh, not in shackles, not uh, going back to prison and in a suit. We don't wanna make things too easy on the prosecutor. And maybe the answer here is that criminal defendants more often should get the benefit of the doubt like Rittenhouse did. But more pragmatically, if a judge doesn't err on the side of the defense, they are likely to see an appeal and no trial judge wants to A, get reversed by the court of appeals and B, have to retry a defendant. And that's one reason why they might err on the side of uh, disallowing evidence that might otherwise come in to make sure that there aren't other constitutional violations. And for better or worse, Schroeder was clearly paying attention to how the trial was covered. Quote, when I talked about problems with the media when this trial started, were there in part, not fully, but in part, because of grossly irresponsible handling of what comes out of this trial. I will tell you this, I'm going to think long and hard about live television of a trial again next time. I don't know, I've always been a firm believer in it because I think the people should be able to see what's going on, but what I see, what's being done, is really quite frightening. Frightening, that's the right word for it. Now, I can't imagine how he possibly got that impression, which takes us to the final incidents. Schroeder had a racist cell phone ringtone. Come on, people! A cell phone ringtone? Really? Come on, you're, you're better than this. But also, Judge Schroeder, dude, turn your cell phone off in court. That is rule number one. Oh, and one last thing. I know right now you're probably fumbling with your phone trying to find the next podcast to listen to, but you can't because this is an ad. But it doesn't have to be that way. Instead, you can go to watchnebula.com slash radio. You can get access to all of our original podcasts ad-free, plus exclusive originals and experimental shows from your favorite educational-ish creators. And best of all, you're helping to support us make even more amazing content. So before you go, check out watchnebula.com slash radio to support this channel and this podcast directly.